Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast series contains discussions about crime, trauma, sexual abuse, drug use, and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. Former prison officer Mel Watson, welcome to The Stick-Up. Thank you for having me, Russell. I, I really liked your stuff and I liked your honesty and it's very rare like, for people to be so authentic as you have been on social media and I love that about you. I love how vulnerable you get. Yeah. It's just a beautiful trait to see in someone. Like People have got masks, all different sorts of masks on, in particular in social media, on this, on that, and that, but your authenticity uh, shines like a beacon and I really appreciate it. So I'm glad to have you on here. Thank you, Ross. And I can say the same for you as well. Yeah. You're very vulnerable and you help so many people like speak up and I think that's something you should be proud of. Thank you. I appreciate that. Tell me, where did it all start? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Mascot, um, which is in Sydney. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, look, I didn't have the best childhood um, me and my brother were born into domestic violence, so my parents had a very toxic relationship. Mm. And, you know, I have so many memories of walking outside and the whole street would be out there, the police would be there, ambulance would be there. It was, yeah, it was just traumatising for us. And then I, at, at four years old, I was sexually abused by a family member and also by my next-door neighbour. And, like, I don't disrespect my parents when I say this, but I really feel that the environment we were in and all the neglect that was happening because they were so focused on, you know, being at each other all the time, I really feel like that's why I got into that position. Yeah. And then, um, you know, my parents finally separated, I think when I was eight years old, that was even worse than them being together because then we went through a really nasty custody battle and me and my brother were used as pawns. There was alienation with the other parent and we weren't really allowed to have a relationship with the other parent. And one day I was out at Sydney Olympic pools with um, my stepmom at the time and I was sexually abused in the pool by an old man. I really believe that that old man was there that day to do exactly that because he had goggles on and he was swimming under the water, especially like right behind young little girls. And unfortunately, when I went and told the lifeguard, he had left. And then I hit teenage years, 13 years old. I had a boyfriend who was 18. I started doing drugs. I was running away. I was partying. I was going out all the time. I was always trying to escape what was happening to me because I just couldn't process my childhood. And I didn't have guidance from my parents and I still to this day don't. So I had to learn a lot of stuff on my own. And unfortunately, that came with a lot of mistakes that I made. But I take the lesson out of that. Mistakes or traumatic responses? Yeah, I'd say I'd say traumatic responses. I feel like I still have that sort of blame on myself. And I think that's something that a lot of us survivors, mm. we always carry that blame and shame and 
we're always, there's no self-love. We're always at ourselves and blaming ourselves mm. for everything. But now that I'm getting into this space more, I'm starting to realise that it was a traumatic response and I just didn't have the right people around me. And unfortunately, I was then taken advantage of again. Um, so I confided in a very close family friend who was in his 30s. He was married with kids. Um, he was very close to my dad. And he groomed me from the age of 13. So he would talk to me about sex. He would talk to me about, you know, say all these things about his wife. And really he knew what was going on with me. He knew I was vulnerable and depressed and I, I just wanted to be loved. Mm -hmm. And he, it, yeah, it turned into a sexual relationship at 15. And I was victim blamed by every single person for that. Um, to the point that when I turned 18, I nearly killed myself. And... I thank my mum for that because she f flew me to Victoria and tried to, you know, get me back into a better space. But that didn't work. I came back to Sydney, went out partying. I met a guy and three months later I ended up pregnant. Yeah. Um, but my, my baby boy saved my life. If yeah. it wasn't for him, I honestly don't think that I would have continued because I was just at the point where I was just like, fuck life. Like if this is what life is, but, you know. But do you think your baby boy, as you say, give you a purpose. Yeah, 100%. My kids have given me purpose now and I think that's one thing I never had. I never felt like I belonged. I never felt like I had guidance. I never felt like I always was just like, why am I here? But then I had him. Um, unfortunately, in the first year I had postnatal depression so I had to have a nurse come to my house every week to mm. help me with him and I think that came from everything yeah. like with my childhood and whatnot. Oh. The thing is when you have children, you – with trauma, trauma survivors in particular, they like to move. They like yeah. to move. And when you get, when you have children, you, you're sort of, you're in that one place. Yeah, you can't. There's you no can't, running. Yeah, exactly. You have to face everything because if you don't, you're going to fuck your kids up. And yeah. and I just will not do that because, especially working in this space now, I talk to you know victim survivors all the time and I see what their childhood did to them mm. and I'm just like, our childhood is so important and I'm not going to stuff my kids up for. Mm. Like anything, like I will break the cycles. I will do what I have to do and I'm not perfect, but I'm really trying to mm. be the best for them. And I think, you know, they definitely are my purpose in life now. Mm. But yeah, and I was out of work for so long, I couldn't get a job. And um, of course, like I got a job as a prison officer. That's, they, that's take that's any, they take anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying this for I've been saying this for ages. It's the easiest job to it get. It is. Uh, it's so easy. Yeah. It's not hard at all. There's no uh, – honestly, anyone can get that job. You yeah. could get that job, Russell, even with your – like back, Maybe. Well, uh, you know what? I brush my teeth and I think that's part <laughs> I joke about – one of the jokes I say, you know, is about prison officers with bad attitude and even worse breath, yeah. you know. So true. Let's talk about let's talk about that venture into being a prison officer. What happened? Tell us about it. Oh my god! I honestly that was that was a real eye opener for me working in a prison because I was really naive. Um, I think I started when I was 24, 25. Yeah. So I I don't think I understood like the gravity of the job, and I don't think I understood until I actually walked in a prison and started seeing what it's about. What jail, What was the first jail you walked in? I was at Long Bay. So 12, 13 wing or so 7, I, 8, 9, 10? No, I did 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah. Um, I moved around. Like mm. I, I did, you know, Area 3. Mm. I wasn't allowed in LBH because I had a cousin who um, mm. stabbed someone. Mm. 
So I wasn't allowed in there, but I did like, I mostly worked in area one. Mm. Um, and that, yeah, that was a real eye opener for me. I honestly, I think the biggest thing for me was seeing the pedophiles and just how well looked after they are. Mm. I couldn't believe that. The lamps, what, what used to spin me out? Like, I think the lamps that officers will go to protect them. Yes. There's officers that have coffee with them. And that shocked me. I was just like, why would you want to sit with these like sick monsters who have done this? You know what they've done. Mm. Like, why would you want to be around them? Like, I couldn't stand it. I hated it. It was probably, and then I started working at the Downing Center. So I was going on all the court cases and the whole day would just be filled with child sexual abuse cases. And these pedophiles have no remorse. Everyone, you know, they play the game and whatnot. They don't have any remorse. I've seen like inmates, tough inmates cry on the elevators down from court. Mm. And when I would take a pedophile down, it was always, oh, how's your day, miss? Oh, I love the cookies here. Like just really no care for mm. the situation. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is that in prison, they're the nicest people you will come across. They're, they're the most, cunning. yeah, they're they're so exactly. Cunning. It's it's just the cunning. character they play. Cunning, but, manipulative. Yeah. My experience in prison was they will, the staff, especially management, will put them in all the privileged jobs. Yes, they have the best jobs. Yeah, they'll get all the privileged jobs. I remember I was at Nara and Yura, there was um, doing a drug and alcohol program and you get your wages like 30 bucks a week and we are looking at theirs, it was like 60 and 90. Yeah. 60 and $90 a week. And I think Corrective Services uses pedophiles as a way to, to upset Keep, keep people like the other inmates upset because they'll give them preferential treatment mm -hmm. just to piss everyone else off. It's so true. They yeah. they have they're the most well behaved. So yeah. they have the best jobs. They've got everything. They have like I was blown away. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this. You can say whatever you want. But they have a music studio. Yeah. Like a full decked out music studio. And how many like VOTP for example? What's the band called? The Rock Spiders or something like yeah, that. Yeah, probably. So, That's probably. Jimmy, Jimmy and the Fiddlers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, why do they need that? Yeah. What, what, that would benefit That's so many other inmates. Why can't everyone have that? Why do they like? Why do mm. they need it? Is what I just don't understand. Think them. about this: like, you can't send someone to a course at Long Bay. What's it called? Uh, Cubid. Yeah, right? Cubid. You can't send them there. My sexual. Uh, you cannot do a course to change your sexual preference. Yeah. My sexual. I'm a heterosexual man, and you're a heterosexual woman. They're attracted to children. Yeah. You cannot do a course with Absolutely. Like, to to run a course to change. And they put so many resources into them. They do. They do. I've noticed that. They really do. Out of everyone in prison, they get the most resources. And people think, you know, they do these programs and they get help, but they don't. They mm. all get together and teach each other how Better to one. yeah. How to do even worse things. They like get off together, they speak about like, you know, their crimes and stuff. They're not sorry and mm. it's just disgusting. Like, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't deal with that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I remember I remember once I was in jail in, in oh, oh, two occasions. In, down at Junee once I was accused of trying to um, maim a child molester, which I had nothing to do with mm. and um, <laughs> had nothing to do with that. And um, I remember the copper coming in and he said to me, he goes, you're all the same. I said, what do you mean we're all the mm -hmm. same? He goes, you know, you're, you're a, I said, I'm a bank robber. And he goes, nah, nah, you guys get it all wrong. You're all the same. You all break the law. And it's like, fucking what? Yeah. You got a problem when the law, or they're not even law, they're, they're coppers. That's the, and, and when they have that opinion, 
But you think about like them resources, if they were directed at survivors slash victims of <sighs> sexual abuse, imagine the difference we could make. We need them more. Yeah. We should be getting those resources. We don't we have to pay for our own yeah. therapy and yeah. we need it for life. Yeah. So I don't understand why they put so much effort into them, but they don't into us and they don't even want to help us. Like mm. You know, the, FACA is trying to push a child sex offender registry. Mm. And we sent out emails, me, Andrew Carpenter, Mel Holiday, Louise Edmonds, we all sent out emails and we started getting rejection letters from politicians. We mm. didn't even give them a date. They just said that they're fully booked and they can't speak with us. And mm. it's just like nobody wants to help. Nobody wants to do anything. You've got Harry, like advocates, like mm. screaming on TV to like get changes done. Mm. And it shouldn't be this hard. And it shouldn't be up to survivors to do it. Mm. That's that's the thing. So it's stacked, isn't it? Yeah. Stacked. If they get the the courts, you know, the courts don't reckon. I've got a theory. I've got a theory. The courts are people say, "Oh, why are they so lenient on them?" Because you know, the the pedophile creates the next drug addict, the next person per, propensity for violence, and the next self harmer. So those people who get caught up in the criminal justice system keep the wheel, the chain, you know, the or they oil oil the chains of the. Mm criminal justice side. No one can tell me any different. It's yeah. just crazy. Talk, let's talk a little bit about, you know, corrective services. The, <laughs> I the, love this chat. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And I love I love just I love having someone who who's not scared to be honest. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. What are they gonna do? Sue me? Yeah. Five dollars a week. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you get and put it on spur. Um, but um yeah no I can tell you I mean I can tell you a lot but but what about the indoctrination? There's a couple of things I want to touch. Let's touch on the indoctrination. So you go in there with all the intentions of the world to be a good person. Mm -hmm. What happens to you? doesn't happen. No. Are you talking about me yeah, going yeah, in yeah. there? Yeah. No, it doesn't happen. You, I think a lot of people actually – see, I got into that job because it worked with my hours. I think a lot of people go into that job thinking that they can change the system and that they can help people and that they can do better. But you – have to conform to that culture. Yeah, you can't, they indoctrinate yeah, you. They harass you. Exactly. You try to speak up or do anything, you get pushed out of the job. Things get swept under the rug. You get bullied. Like the bullying in that job is horrendous. Yeah, the sexual harassment in that job is horrendous. Mm. Um, but everything just gets swept under the rug. So mm. to me, it was a no-brainer. You either stay and conform to that culture or you leave. And I was just like, no, I'm out. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of the derogatory comments that, officers would make and they don't hide it they'll yeah. make it to the they'll, they'll make, and then they create rumors they don't the those, rumors they're, yes they're sexual prowess they'll yeah. create rumors about they're just man they're they're, they're a different breed and no, I, I can remember this one guy at 13 when coming with all the intentions of the world wanted to do the case notes and wanted to help Within three days, they had it. He, he, he was rattled yeah he, he goes mate these blokes are fucking animals i can't do this job they do they don't want to help and, and i've seen like I remember going in when I was like when I first started and one guy came to let the senior know that his light wasn't working. Mm. And like this senior was literally like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, but miss, get the fuck out of here. Like just not even listening to him, just telling mm. him to like get mm. And I was just like, why? Like that's something that's that's his entitlement. Like he's mm. allowed to have a light. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I understand when, you know, there's inmates that will push boundaries, but mm. like if it's fair and it's what you're entitled mm. to, that's your job, that's why you're there. Um I seen one. I seen a bloke, it was so funny. And this guy, officer, the boy asked, one of the blokes asked him for a toilet roll. And he said, no, come back later. Well, the bloke snatched his jump, like took his jumper off, 
back of the thing, and, and the officer standing on fucking master with a skid mark down the back of his oh jumper. Oh my god! <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, yeah. you you can't blame anyone else but yourself, and yeah. and that's one thing. Like I always say, that you can, and this is my personal belief, you can trust an inmate more than an officer because with inmates. If they don't like you, you'll know about it. Mm. They, they don't bullshit. Like, you will know. With officers, nice. they will lie to your face. They will pretend to be your friends and they don't back you. I remember working on my first ever shift and a senior left me in the wing by myself. So it was just us two. And he's like, oh, I'll be back. And he left me with, like, there was literally at least 200 men in there. Mm. And they were coming to the office door harassing me. Like, I need this, I need this, I need this. Like, just constantly talking to me. I start to freak out because I'm like why would anyone just leave me here? Like, I know this is my job, but, you know, why would you leave me here on my first day by myself? And it was actually a sweeper who came to the door and he's like, miss, don't worry, they won't bother you anymore. I'll just explain what yeah. a sweeper is. A, a, a sweeper is someone in the wing itself that's got a privileged position to hand out the food, do the cleaning with the wing and has full access to the wing. They're normally people with a bit of standing in the prison yeah. that can do that. Someone normally someone that can hold their own. Yeah, they they can't like you can't stand over them basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he stood at the door the whole time and he's like, "Don't worry, they won't come and bother you." And everyone mm. left me alone. And then the officer came back and I was just like, "Do you reckon he done that on purpose?" I I, I honestly think so because yeah. see the thing is. There was another there was another one when I first started as well. They don't teach you what key color keys to use, mm. okay? So they they the the whole thing is you need to go learn yourself. And like fair enough, but you're in a prison where things can like go to shit in one second. Like really yeah. And you're just like letting people just fend for themselves who are supposed to be, you know, your family in blue, that's what they say. Mm. And like I'm like and trying every single key on this door and I'm like, what the hell? Like, I can't get it. And I had all these inmates standing behind me and they all said to me, miss, it's the yellow key. And I was like, fuck, all right, I'll just try the yellow key. And it was the yellow mm. key. And I was just like, like they helped me <laughs> open a door. Mm. But it's just, yeah, the culture is I sick. Think, I think, I think personally, I think a woman would be safer with the inmates than alone with the inmates than they would with them. Because, man, some of the predatory, like I was saying, I've seen them grabbing girls and everything like that, mm. you know, and I was, what, I, what I used to see, I'd go, oh, man, you, that's like, you're potentially a rapist. Mate. Yeah. You know, yeah. man, you're judging me. You want to jump on my head for being a bank robber, yeah. but you're, what you do to women, I'd never, and I'd never talk to women. This, I'd never. Yeah, 100%. So many sex pests. Yeah. Officers, yeah. just disgusting. Like, some of them, I'm like, you got to wear greens, honestly. Yeah, you got to be over it. That's why they're so... I don't know. That's mm. why they so, so relate to a lot of them sex offenders. I remember, I remember working in the canteen out front of the jail. Yeah, you know, uh, officers' mess and that. some of them, mate. Some of the stuff that goes went used to go on there, man. Have you heard the story that I don't know if it's true, but I've heard a story there that they um, deep fried a, like one of their like they did a shit and deep fried it and yeah. fed it to an officer. Yeah, I, 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 I you know. And and and, the, and you know what? I, I used to see him get. You don't get cheeky with someone serving your food. You're a yeah. fucking idiot if you yeah, do. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, you're an idiot. I remember there's a good guy down there called Dino Billinghurst and his wife Kerry. They work. Yeah. They work they're, they're, they're just such good people. And we talk about you know we'll talk about bad officers. We'll talk good. And and they them two are definitely two of the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the thing about Dino, the difference that well about him, he could fight. Most of them can't. Yeah. You know, he could hold his own. He didn't have points to prove. Yeah. 
they're the best officers. Mm. I, I've honestly, I've worked with a lot of good officers. I'm still good friends with officers. Mm. Um, and the ones that I found are the best are the ones who don't have to prove anything. They'll yeah. just open their mouth and they get respect mm. because they're fair. They're not there to make your life hell. They're there to do their job. Yeah. And that was my thing. I'm there to get my money and go home. I don't want to be in a use of force. I don't want to have to do anything. I want to go home to my family. Mm. And I think, yeah, those are the best people in that job. And it's, I've seen a lot of, um, seniors who are like that who just get the most respect from mm. inmates because they're not assholes and then you have inmates that will gm up so when you go and open the cell next day you mm. get knocked in the head mm. like they just talk so much they have the egos are so high and i've seen like one inmate um really go off and he was in votp mm. which is a like violent offenders yeah, and that he's apparently took on six officers at one time and this officer was just geeing him up when we were in the yard and I was just like, what, why? <laughs> like you're just making it worse for all of us. Like yeah. there's just no need. Mm. But I found that a lot. Like they all just get on power trips and. Mm. I remember I was at, um, I just finished, I come down from Queensland. I'd just done about three years of trauma counselling and mm. I went to MRRC and they come in and do a cell ramp and they just knew straight away there was a dog there barking its head off and there was about five of them. And he, they obviously stripped, stripped me naked and then, and then this other big mouth, little fucking weasel comes in and says, put, handcuff him and leg, and leg shackle him, let's make it a fair fight. So their intentions wow. were to, to bash me. I'm sitting there. And then he said, like, mid, um, like, strip search, he, 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 one beside me handed me this plastic thing and he said, put that between the cheeks of your ass and it was like a cheek spread and to spread my cheeks. Yeah, I remember you said that. And I said, I'm not sexually abusing myself for your gratification. He goes, what are you saying? I'm a poof. I'm saying, well, fuck, you're the one asking mm. me to do it. Not me. I'm not asking you. And he was and he was going off his head. He said, "Oh fuck!" And he's spitting at me. He goes, "Oh fucking break your fucking jaw!" I said, "We'll break it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing. It. I'm not fucking yeah. sexually allowing you to sexually abuse me." And he's going. Oh. And then the other one, and the other one. And then they brought a dog in, and the dog was like about fucking two inches away from my ass. I could fucking feel it trying to. And they said, "Just let the dog go." And I wouldn't have cared. Hmm. I wouldn't have cared because I'd because that was just another form of fucking sexual abuse. And, yeah, and 100%. some of them want. And some of them want to, you know. Some of them want to partake in that. And the sad part about that, a lot of that goes on. And I'm pretty sure they've got an awareness when people have been, went through the sexual abuse stuff and that sort of stuff. And, they, and I think after that Royal Commission, because they, they would have been aware that these people were talking to the Royal Commission. And I think a lot of people got targeted after that. Yeah. that's See, that's that's bad. Yeah. You can't target anyone, especially when you're in like a position of power. Like mm. that's just... They knew that these people were talking to the Royal Commission yeah. and I think they were just – that's triggering. That's that's really triggering. It was crazy. Um, talk. Tell me about some funny things you've seen in the job. There would have been a – it can be a real funny place, President. Oh, yeah, most of the stuff that that's, I have seen I probably couldn't say on camera. I remember <laughs> – I, 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 I remember the new recruits coming through and they're doing a tour for the jail mm. and I remember there was five women – and three of them ended up in relationships with Queen. One ended up getting married. Really? Back in, one of them ended up getting married back in the jail. Like she left the job pretty pretty much within six weeks of yeah. starting, and was allowed to come back and vigilant. She started off on box visits in a normal, and ended up marrying this bloke in the chapel at the jail. Wow! <laughs> Everyone's sleeping together in 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 that job. You're you're either sleeping with officers or inmates. It's yeah. just everyone is sleeping together. There's affairs. It's 
it's it's like it's just <laughs> disgusting. Like it's so it's so toxic that environment. I couldn't wait to get out of it. Honestly, yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. And yeah, man, I, I'm I'm stoked. I'm coming up to. I've been nearly out for seven years now, and and you know what? A lot of that stuff for me, like as I, I, someone was talking, I was talking to someone in a podcast the other day. Not all of it was bad. It was a lot yeah. of it for me. We were fun. We, we we formed some good friendships, and you know, and even. Like even like I can remember a couple of offers like Dino, Dave Dwyer, people like that. I sit and go. For me, it's never been blue and green. It's mm. Like if you treat me good, I'll shake your hand. Yeah, no problem. That's how it is. It's respect. If you show respect, you get it back. Yeah. I think a lot of people miss that mark when they come into the job and they get their uniform on and they feel like, you know, they've got some sort of power. I mm. think a lot of them are being bullied in school. That's oh, my theory. hundred percent. And there's nothing worse than the bully, the bully kid that goes on to be a bully himself. Yeah. They're just, it's just. That is that they're the worst kind, yeah. Because they know what it's like, and they project had all that stuff onto someone else. And and social media is full of them. I just I yeah. can read I can oh, read it. I get it as well. I can read it. It's oh mate, you're not you're just projecting how you feel about yourself yeah. onto me. And that, that that was a lot of it. Like you know, um, I remember when I first started going to prison. Uh, uh, health and fitness was really encouraged because they I think even back then they realised the benefits for mental health. And yeah. You know, would it be fair to say that prisons become a dumping ground for mental health patients? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I think that, like, everyone who's in there has some sort of mental health issue. Um, a lot of people have come from trauma. And so they're coming into this environment and then they're around more people who have the same, you know, they've been in the life of crime, they've had some sort of trauma throughout their life, and then they leave and they go back into that environment and they just come back in. There's mm. no, there's no, There's no help in prison and I, I noticed that as Did well. Did you see no, any rehabilitation? No. Like no. you see, you know, you've got VOTP and all that but like. That's very limited. That's what I mean. There's, there is more rehabilitation for pedophiles and while that sounds all great, like, yeah, we should be rehabilitating them. I don't yeah. want them rehabilitated. Oh, no, I don't want them out in society. You can't fix mm. them. I think they teach them, what they do teach them out in courses, how to get away with it better. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not even allowed to stand in, the officers are not allowed to stand in the room and listen to it. Mm. So you know what they're talking about. And, and like, I remember walking through, um, you know, all the pedophile wings and they're all just like sort of whispering to each other and talking and you mm. just know like what they're up to. They're just... They're just I'll tell you grubby. what, you'll never see. Like, I, I, I thought it was bad here in New South Wales, Queensland, man. Oh, man Queensland's got pretty bad ones. Yeah, they got, they got a jail up there called Walston. They've got 900 of them that associate together on a daily basis mm. unchecked. Now, if you changed that and said, we're going to put 900 bikies together, yeah. that oh, never happened. They would never do that. No. They would never do that. So you, they, so the message they say by that jail is, oh, uh, Bikies pose a bigger threat than pedophiles. Mm -mm. That's, that's fucking... No. What with our stats, which mm. is one in three girls, one in five boys, mm. one in four Australians have experienced child sexual abuse, mm. and you're going to say that's not a problem. Mm. No. I think that I fully blame the government. I think that they can do so much more than they are. Mm. Like we had that sickness a couple of years ago. I'm not going to say which one because it mm. might get flagged on yeah. Instagram. But um, they, you know, we came out with all these laws overnight. You weren't allowed to leave your house to like... You could go exercise for, what, 20 minutes? Yep. And they they put all these things into effect to keep everyone safe. Mm. But with child sexual abuse, they say they can't do anything or yeah. they're slow at their approach or, you know, we're trying to do this or we're doing a royal commission. Like what we know what the stats are. We don't need investigations. Like we need changes. Mm. That's, that's my thing. I just... 
Yeah, I've we do. Put a lot what, of blame what, on them. What, what do we like? I think the courts themselves have got to start whacking these, like yeah. giving them twenty and thirties. Absolutely, Ross. Like that was one thing that really shocked me was going in and I would take a drug dealer up, and you know, he get up to twenty years, sometimes like longer, and then. I'd be continuously taking pedophiles and it was three three on the top, three years on the top, 14 months on the bottom. That was mm. so common. And I, and I was just like, what? Like, it, it shocked me because mm. I really, that's when I, doing that job made me realise how protected they are yeah. in the justice system, in society, in prison. People think they get bashed in prison. But no, they're so protected. How are you going to get there? There's so many gates and like checkpoints mm. to go through. I, I talk about, did you ever come across the, here's another one, and the needy, needy copy killers, you ever come across them? <sighs> I didn't, know. Um, I didn't come across them, but I worked where um, I think it was Michael Murphy was. Mm. That, oh, that case kills me. I, every time I think about that. I saw it the other day actually and I was just like, this oh. But that's what I, I talk about. I've done posts on it, social media and they go, they, they get bashed all the time. No, no they don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. completely separated. There's mm. no, they, like I said, there's so many gates and checkpoints you would have to go through to mix them up mm. that no officer is going to risk their job for that. Mm. It's It wouldn't happen. And like, you know, they do get bashed and whatever, but. It's it, it's not really. It could not be. Like, it's probably from another pedophile, to be yeah, honest, yeah, because yeah. they're in the same wings together. They stole the best and less catalogs or something. Yeah, like that, exactly. You know, it's not what people think it is, yeah. and I think everyone thinks. Oh, you know, they're like I get. I always get the comments. Oh, they've done their time, and like Have they've they? served their punishment. What fourteen months, yeah. and then what they've got the best things in prison, and they come out. You think they've learned? But that's the problem. Is when they're treated like that, they come out with the thing. Oh, well, I'm not as bad as. That person, that person's actually yeah. a thief. Yeah. You know, I'm not as bad as that. And, th and they've got that mentality. Because they actually don't think they've done anything wrong with yeah, us. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. That's one thing I, I've just noticed through taking them to court and just seeing their reactions and they were always pleading not guilty. It's just they they don't see what they done was wrong. Yeah. And so they're never going to change. And I don't want them to change anyway. Mm. You sexually abuse a kid, you're out of society in my opinion. Should be. So the Catholic it's like, you know, I went to, like, people think I hate Catholic. I don't hate Catholic yeah. church. I, I just yeah. hate pedophiles. Yeah. And if they've got priests amongst them yes. and, you're, and, and you're protecting them, yeah. you're just as bad as them. That was one thing I saw a lot was priests. Mm. And, and that was shocking for me because I was just like, these are priests. Like, mm. these are people who are supposed to be, you know, godly people, good people. And they're, the devil. they're sexually abusing like boys was the big mm. one. Mm. And a lot of the cases I sat on was priests who had, there was one who sexually abused 35 boys. He did time in prison and then he got out. He mm. got out for 35 boys, right? Mm. And then two other guys came forward. Oh, and, and the case he, that yeah. Was on, yeah. It was on Netflix. Yeah. And um, they came out a lot later in life. Like they, you saw the damage it had done to them. Some of their victims didn't even make it like they've ended their lives. Mm. And his defence argued that he still did a lot of good for the community and he got 14 months on parole. He's mm. dead now. Mm. But, yeah, but he still got out. And, and I, how? 37 mm. kids who have their lives ruined forever and you're going to let that person out of jail because they did a lot of good In as a priest. Jail. Yeah. It just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Do you think a drug dealer or anyone else would get that sort of Yeah, the drug dealer cooked at the church and barbecue on the yeah. Sunday and he should have got a bit of And I'm just, not justifying no, like, no, all the no, crimes, but, they, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. but they they're very manipulative and very fucking cunning and and, and I, I can 
I can remember being down at Narrow Neuro. Narrow Neuro is 17 wing at the minimum security, and, and they had the sex offender. And I can remember seeing this screw. I could see him fucking, I don't know, he handed some bloke a coffee he, he got from the cafe, mm. which is a no-no. And I said, mate, what would you do that for? He goes, mate, I don't think he's good for it. And I said, hang on. And the and the and the pedophile was a bloke called Little Pebble who mm. was the head of like some sect, some fucking I don't know. And I thought, fucking you rat. And I'll tell you, you know, some of the nurses, how some of them nurses treat them, that's fucking insane. <laughs> I'm not even gonna speak on that one. Yeah, but some of the nurses give them preferential yeah, treatment. It's so true. You it's know? true. They I honestly don't know if it's because we know that pedophiles groom everyone around them. They yeah. have the character about them where you wouldn't even believe something's wrong. So I highly like think that's like I th- really think that's why everyone treats them so good in prison, mm. especially. What made you leave the job? Um, the bullying, the mm. toxic environment. I didn't. Uh, my mental health started to decline really bad. I mm. started to get PTSD, mm. um, and. I just didn't want to be in that environment anymore. Mm. It was so negative. I had a baby and then I just didn't go back. Mm. I went on maternity leave and I was just like, I the whole time I was off work, I started to realise how bad my mental health was. Mm. And like I, if I go back there, I'm going to get stuck there. And that was one thing a senior told me and I'm still friends with her. But she said, don't be like me and get stuck in this job. Mm. She's like, leave. She's like, because you will get comfortable here, you'll get stuck here and you won't you won't strive in life. And it's so true because if you stay in there for too long, you do get stuck there. It's mm. it's it's comfort, what you know. And then you start to work in this job and it's so weird to go to a normal office job. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's just such a big change. What I noticed along amongst a lot of officers, just how dysfunctional their lives were oh outside my. of the prison. They're all alcohol, all alcoholics. I started to turn to an alcoholic. Mm. I started going like from work and then going home on my way home, picking up like a six pack and mm. just getting drunk. And that was, that's the norm in that job. Every single person, and you cannot tell me any different, who works in that job has some sort of mental health issues from being in that environment because you're constantly with like the worst people, well, you know, mm. Um, you're that's constantly, their, their yeah, work colleagues. Yeah, you're con- exactly. <laughs> you're constantly in a negative environment. You're around all this bullying. It's like high school. It's like so. There's so much drama. There's officers who will give inmates your home address if they don't like you, mm. and like they will try and ruin your life outside of work. And it's there's just, a lot of that goes on. Yeah, here. and that's part of that indoctrination. If you don't follow, yeah, what they want you to do, they will harass. I've seen it. I was just man. I used to feel like. You know, until they get a punch in the mouth or something like that. Yeah. Like as soon as if it's a male officer and he aims up at them, but you are a female, you got no, you no. can't go reporting yeah. it because it'll make it worse. For yeah, you. no, and I did. I ended up reporting someone because he was obsessed with me, and I heard all these things he was saying about me. And he started to punish me professionally. Like he actually got me in trouble once, and and he was going to do a performance review on me because he wanted me to record a male strip search which you're not allowed to do. No. I'm not allowed to be in the room. Mm. There were so many officers around when this happened. There was a use of force and he could have given the camera to anyone and he was like, you need to take the camera. And so I'm following him into the like into the cell so they can do the strip search and I'm like, do, like what do I do? Like I can't film them while they're mm. doing this. And like that's, that's triggering for me too, yeah, yeah. you know, because of what I've been through. Mm. 
like to see a, a man like you know naked yeah. in front yeah. of me and one of the officers like he was doing the strip surf uh, strip search and one officer tapped me on the shoulder and he's like turn the camera off so I turned it off and he's like get out of here he's like you're not meant to be in here and I was like oh, I know that and then he because I pulled him up on the way he was treating me he goes well I'm going to do a performance review because you turned the camera off and you were meant to and I'm like are you normal? You're a senior. Like, you should know this. Like, I can't film mm. a male strip search. Mm. And, yeah, it just got to the point that I was just – it was just so much. Like, he was causing so many problems and rumours and everything. This was at the Downing Centre. And I made a complaint. I actually had someone from the um, investigations branch email me and say, you're not the first one to mm. complain about him. And I just got moved. Mm. So nothing happened. They didn't want to do anything. I had someone higher up ring me and he's like, oh, do you want to go meet for coffee outside of work? Mm. I can't help you, but we can have a chat about it. And then luckily I'm really good friends with another officer. He's like, don't go. He's like, don't go outside work with him. Mm. It's not a good look. Mm. And he's like, and he's known for like, you know, to pick on casual girls and all yeah. that stuff. So I was just like, They do yeah. that, especially that. They, they get in a position of power and I send them, Man, I, 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 you know, I used to have a lot of, in particular, female officers, sort of confide in me and sort of say to me, "Man, this job, like, mm -hmm. they'd tell you, it's bad." This, yeah, this. I, I know when I was in jail in Queensland, this education woman who I'd become, apparently, I was alleged having a relationship with her, but it wasn't true, <laughs> and uh, it wasn't true, <laughs> not much anyway. And um, she used to come and find. Fucking someone had jerked off over a computer on weekends yeah. and stuff like all of that and leaving yeah. notes and shit like yeah. and, and fake like she was getting her her phone was getting all the messages of you know burners and stuff like that it was crazy and yeah. once again she had a thousand rumors and she said to me in the end there she goes you become like a good option she goes because none of these are good <laughs> options there she goes you're the best option in the place it's so goes, true because you treat me like a, a normal human being but yeah. Um, it's just it's just crazy, and I, I I say this: you cannot be that horrible person all day mm. and go home and disassociate and be a nice no, person. Your you're going home and taking that home with you. And a lot of a lot of people in that job, are, you know, have are in that like have done some sort of domestic violence or yeah. have done something wrong. You know, they all take drugs. Yeah, they all drink. Like they're not perfect, mm. but they put on a uniform and everyone thinks, oh, you know, they they're these good people and whatever. But it's it's not like that. You're working in this environment of people who have lived a life of crime and trauma. Mm. You're going to bring on some of that energy. Mm. Um, and and you're so right. Like I notice the most respect. Like I've been hit on maybe like a handful of times, which is just mm. you know normal. Yeah, yeah. But. I found most inmates to be really respectful, mm. um, especially maximum. Mm. I don't know why. I yeah. found minimum to be the worst. Yeah, yeah, maximum yeah. have always been the most respectful. Like, mm. you know, they're always like nice. If they don't want, if they want something, you know, they'll let you know. Otherwise, they'll leave you alone. Whereas, yeah. you know, minimum, it was a little bit like. Yeah, they 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 both sort of the first time in jail. Normally, they don't know the rules. They don't yeah. know the right. That's always the same with me. Like I was always just a female officer. Their respect and yeah, and for me being having that protective nature, I always felt like, you know, I, I, like I'd pull blokes up and say, you don't talk to me. Yeah. I don't care whether you've got a uniform on, on yeah. or not. I'm a big believer in there's certain things you don't, you, you treat women with respect. Yeah, you know for sure. I, mean? and I think that's really important and I think that's reflective of me as a man. It doesn't matter what you're wearing, whether you're yeah. a cop, a, you know, a prison officer or a fire brigade, you always show that. And I think, and I, and I demonstrated that all, all throughout my whole jail and people knew my stands on that. Yeah. 
I think it's really important. I noticed that with other female officers as well, if there's, you know, ever an inmate that's, you know, arcing up or saying something to them, other inmates do step in. Mm. I've noticed that. They do step in more than the officers. Mm. Officers won't step in and back you. If, Mm. If anything, they yell at you in front of everyone, put you on the gronk. That's that whole thing though, that whole thing for me was like, I remember getting bashed by officers and I'd have handcuffs on or whatever and they're bashing you and and I always thought, wonder, my, my mentality goes, why, why is this guy, ba-? and as far as I knew, assault was a crime. So mm. he's basically becoming a criminal to punch and, and, he, and he's trying to bash me because I'm a criminal and he's yeah. just the same as me. But he's getting away with it because he's got a uniform he's on. He's got the uniform on. And that's his job. And, and, you know what I mean? And, and I was just, there's a lot of fucking serious cowards in that job. And once again, you know, there's a lot of good fucking people in there yeah. too, you know there, what I mean? There definitely is. Uh, there is definitely good officers in there. They don't stay in there very long. Yeah. <laughs> and if they do, they have already earned that respect from everyone. So they don't need to, you know, be a certain way. Um, but yeah, no, that job is just, it's never people, anything I want to go back to. People ask me about my business acumen and they go, where'd you get your business acumen? I said, I worked, I was in prison for 23 years around yeah. public servants. Yeah. And I said, all I do is totally opposite to what they do yeah. and I'm going to be a success. And you have a lot of time to reflect in there. And I noticed a lot of, um, you know, a lot of them will become really good at law. Like mm. they start, cause they're going to their court cases. Mm. So they start to study like, mm. you know, the different laws and legislation mm. and they know so much, like they actually come out with some sort of understanding of that. Um, it's and good to watch. Yeah. I, I, I found something guys, like I, I become pretty handy myself, you know, I've represent, I've had the sack legal aid lawyers, Alison Hawkins, if you're out there, man, you don't deserve to be practicing law. I'm telling you now she's mm. a magistrate. Anyway, oh, so, uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, I've had the sack of myself, but I used to, I used to love listening to these older guys talk about different different laws and different legislations. And you know, it was, uh, 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 it was it's pretty to watch some guy that's left school at 13, 12 mm-hmm. years old and picking it up and taking the ball up to like to judges and mixing it with them. Oh, there's a bloke called Les Les. Oh fuck, he's oh, anyway. He's from Queensland. He beat a double murder representing himself mm. in the uh, in, in the um, Supreme Court. Yeah, wow. Like that's that's like something you don't do. No, represent yourself. Well, they say they say anyone who represents themselves got a fool yeah. for a client. Yeah, if you represent yourself, you pretty much you're getting bail refused or yeah. you're getting guilty. Like they, you can't represent yourself. You need to have a lawyer and you need to have a good one. Let's talk about what are you doing now? You, pre- I love what you're doing. So Thank I'm, you. I'm I'm a fan. So now, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Ross. And I'm a fan too. Thank you. But now I am, you know, I'm doing all my advocacy for child sexual abuse. I think it's so important. Like I plan to get on as many platforms and wherever I can to talk about it because I just think that this is the year that people need to just start taking it seriously and actual tack, like start tackling things, not be about, you know, not be all talk, like actually do stuff now and, um, you know, I've been growing my page and I've, I've met so many other survivors. And I think that was the best thing for me is that I've been really silent my whole life. Like I, you wouldn't be able to have found me on social media before mm. I locked my accounts down. I didn't want to know anyone. And then I started connecting with all these survivors and I'm like, we all speak the same language. Like we mm. all get it. And it's, it's not about validation, but it's about people just like, understanding like what happened to you wasn't your fault 
and you don't have to hold the shame and the guilt and blame yourself for what happened because mm. you were a child. And that's that's like really what I'm trying to do here is make others feel that they can speak up. And so far, so many have. I get a lot of male disclosures as mm. well. Males is a big one from Imagine. other from other males. They mm. they some of them haven't even told their parents. Mm. And I think if my page wasn't there and they didn't open up, like they would still be holding onto this. And I was able to give them those resources. I was able to tell them, look, look into this, look into that avenue, go and do this. It's mm. not your fault. And I, yeah, I plan to get really involved in helping survivors, but mm. I also want to, as much as I can, help change laws and le legislation. I don't think I'm going to be allowed in the parliament house. <laughs> Because yeah. I'm not afraid to call them out. Yeah. I'm not afraid to tell people where they're going wrong. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. And mm. oh. I will do what I have to do. Like, we're, we're trying to push this child sex offender re um, registry. It's be. Yeah, it has to happen. People automatically think it's, like, going to be like America. But it's not. We have, we have ways that we propose this. Mm. But they just don't want to listen. For sure. And, you know, and, and, and I, I just... I don't get it. I remember, like, I've, I've had I've had the Queensland government come after me mm. with the work I do with survivors. They just don't want – and, and I, I think, you know, a perpetrator's greatest weapon is a victim silence yes, and shame. You absolutely. know, I say that and, you know. And I think by you talking and, and you know, other people talking, I think we alleviate the, mm -hmm. the shame that people carry. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when we take away that shame and it becomes uh, uh, easier for people to talk about yeah. this sort of stuff – and it disempowers the pedophiles. Yeah, and that's how it should be. When they know, hang on, this ain't what it used to be, yeah. this shame or anything like that, people are going to talk about us like that. But I also like, you know, a few things. I like what Andrew Carpenter's, what a massive disincentive for them to, you know, not to abuse when they can lose their superannuation. Yeah, like I know, the, I know. Like Andrew Carpenter's running a, a petition about, you know, have an accessibility to pedophile superannuation so people can sue them because yeah. they can hide in there. And I think it's a big shout out to Andrew. He's a big supporter Absolute of both yours and out. mine. Top bloke. He's the best. I'm trying to get, I might get him up here next week. You have to get him up here. He's the best. No, but this is what I mean. Like he's doing stuff. Harry's trying to do the, um, your reference ain't relevant. And he's got people going against that. No. Yeah. Why? If, if you're going against anything. How that, can you do it? Yeah. But let's, let's put it in perspective. Let's so explain what, what the whole petition's about. Which one? With, with Harry's. Harry's. So Harry's is the good character reference. So in court, Pet or anyone basically can, you know, get people to write a like a character reference for them to say that they're a good pe a good person, and the judge will take this into consideration with their sentencing. And we don't think pedophiles should have it, right? <laughs> because they're not good characters. So yeah. Harry and there's a couple others as well that are trying to push for that to like basically take that away from mm. pedophiles. And it's the same with, with what Andrew's trying to do. He's trying. Everyone is trying to make their lives harder. But the government <laughs> wants to make their lives easier. It shouldn't mm. be this hard. No. Like, we shouldn't have to petition. Yeah. This should just be no-brainers. You know what I mean? Well, you think about it like so. Someone can go to court, write them a reference, mm -hmm. it lessens the blow. They go to prison. They get the preferential treatment. Yeah. They get out. No one can sue them because they can hide their superannuation. Yeah, Like, exactly. there's just fucking no And you know who's paying? You know who's paying for the compensation? The taxpayers. Yeah. And I, and I say that because people only care when it affects them. Yeah. So your money, guys, is going to compensation that should be at the hands of the pedophiles. Yeah, it's 100%. And that's it. Oh, man, it's uh, just uh, – even on social media, I get 
my account shut down and blocked down. I know it's yeah. pedophiles. Yeah, you, I get them too. TikTok, TikTok, you're not allowed to mention. You're not allowed to mention pedophile. The yes. word, but word pedophile. You're not allowed to. That's yeah. why I stopped TikTok because yeah. they wouldn't let me post videos. So yeah. I was just like, stuff this. And, uh, but they're allowed to get on there and, and fucking. Look at little girls, uh, upload. There's, you know how much um, child sexual abuse material is on all these TikTok, platforms? Yeah, That's great. what the conference is they're having is about in America. Like they have all this. You, If you try and report a photo of a little child who's naked or whatever, it's so hard to get down. But you say the word pedophile or speak out about you any of that, you get blocked straight away. It's before it even uploads. Community standards. Yeah. It, it's just why? Why Why is it like this, Russell? Yeah. <laughs> These are the questions we've got to ask. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I know what it's like that because they're protected species. And a lot of them people end up in working in them companies. And yeah, that sort of because stuff. they go for positions of power. Yeah. Pedophiles go for positions of power where they and have I, access to children. And I, and I talk today, I talk, you know, I talk now and I think the, the police force has become a new mm-hmm. new Catholic church. I really do. I yes. think there's a lot of them hiding in there and they're coming, you know, they do come undone. But why does a couple want to continue to strip search underage mm-hmm. kids? Yeah. Riding a skateboard without a helmet. Oh, you got to get your clothes off. Yeah. And who doesn't know he's got his body cam on? Yeah. I, I've noticed uh, like a, a massive increase in police who are sexually abusing children, meeting up with teenagers, mm. just doing all that Positions grooming. Of power. Yeah, but yeah. it is. It's you can't just look at someone with a uniform or like a priest, for example, and be like, they're a good person. They would never do anything wrong mm. because these are the positions that they go for. It's their it's their mask. It's their disguise. So yeah. you've got to really look at everyone. Like anyone can be one. Hundred percent. Don't trust no one, especially around your kids. Yeah, for sure. That's what I and that's what you know. These dating websites and dating apps. Mm. You know what I mean. Like, you know, Worse. women putting pictures up there. Now, that's where the yeah. pedophiles like it. Yeah. And they, they look, they target single mothers. They do. And, and I don't know if you saw, but I posted a reel recently about um, the pedophile manual. They have a manual that you can get online and it's not illegal. It's completely legal. And it teaches them, like, how to sexually abuse children, who's the best target. And there was one category in there that was, like, targeting single mums. And it and it's so true. They do go on these dating sites, and you know, single mums. I'm not saying this in a bad way, but are a lot more vulnerable. They 100%. they don't have that strong family system. They you know they want the love, they want mm. the company, and unfortunately, predators are so good at what they do. They get them just like that. It's crazy. It's isn't it crazy? Yeah. Fucking sick world. Man. That's why we need a child sex offender registry. And that's what we need. We Let's need push it. For it. Coming, I'm just aware of time. Mel Watson, I could talk to you for time. Uh, I know. Forever, we could talk for, forever. Uh, forever. i got to tell you some off-camera stories yeah. in the prisons too. Yeah, for sure. I like them. I don't know about post, but um, we'll catch them. But it's been a pleasure. You know, I'm glad we're all part of the team. Yeah. As you know, you're, we're all part of this thing, drawing awareness to, to this sort of stuff. It's something that you're passionate about, I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. We've got a big team yeah. around us. We're I not stopping. It. We're not going anywhere. We're not. I see um, Madeline West is on 60 Minutes this yes, weekend. Yes, what a what warrior. A, what a warrior. I'm, intro- I'm going to bring her down a Please, couple of weeks. Please, I'd love to. Bring her down and try. She's a really good friend of mine. Um, but thank you for being here. Thank you for being so transparent and vulnerable. I appreciate you and I, I'm going to continue to appreciate you. Thank and, you so much, Russ. And let's do this more often. Yes, we have to. Thank you very much. Thank you.